unlocking true happiness with venerable Tenzin Choki. Welcome to Unlocking True Happiness. I'm Venerable Tenzin Choki, a Buddhist monastic practicing in the Tibetan tradition. Each episode of Unlocking True Happiness will explore the Buddhist teachings as they're applied in our daily lives to deepen our experience of genuine well-being. Topics combine ideas from Buddhism with those from the fields of positive psychology, Western philosophy, and current events. Today, I'd like to introduce the topic of attuning and recognizing our common humanity. And so, attuning, recognizing, developing an awareness of our common humanity is a very essential step in developing our compassion. Developing our compassion so it's not just restricted to those close to us, those known to us, those who might be like us. So common humanity and the realization of that is very important when we are working on extending our compassion to those that might not be right in our immediate circle of concern, our circle of care. And this practice is used in both traditional Buddhist compassion practice and also used in some of the secular forms that borrow from Buddhist contemplative techniques, like compassion cultivation training developed at Stanford University. So generally what we teach in these trainings and what we observe in our lives is often our our compassion can be very restricted to those around us, those we consider friends, family, They might be people that we know very well. They might be people often that are very much like us. They might share our culture, our values, our race, our ethnicity, and so forth. And so one of the things that we do in these trainings is try to extend that natural compassion that we feel for those that are close to us to those that may not be in our immediate circle of care and concern It's easy to categorize people, see them in terms of some, almost a representation, almost one-dimensional, like an icon, reduce them to one dimension and label them, some of the labels that we use, oh, a Republican, a Democrat, a Muslim, an illegal alien. You know, we use these words that take one dimension of the person's experience and reality and define them. I prefer in my own language, I'm trying to train myself to use some of these descriptors as adjectives or as experiences rather than creating a noun out of them. I've been teaching people experiencing incarceration for a number of years. I don't think I've ever used the word prisoner. For a while, I used the word inmate, thinking that that was maybe softer and kinder than prisoner, but these days I prefer to really explain that these are students or people having the experience of incarceration. A lot of people are using that language, talking about 
people experiencing homelessness or houselessness or people who are lacking shelter rather than the homeless. So I think words are important, definitely in defining how we're relating to people. So that's one thing I'd like to suggest that we do is be aware of some of our language. There's much is made of uh, our, you know, what some people think of as our innate tribalism, right? This, This idea, studies are done on small children and how early the children tend to show preferences to people who look like them. But I think, you know, there's also another side to that kind of explanation of our human nature. And we also have an instinct to connect and to and have empathic attunement and connection to other human beings, no matter who they are. So I think if we default and exaggerate this idea of our tribal human nature, Personally, I find it not only intellectually, but also spiritually lazy. And I think we can do better than that. And those of us who are working on, you know, developing our full human capacity, I think we can really challenge that default explanation of our human nature. We also have a nature to connect and to care. And this is also very obvious. I have a friend who is Brazilian, and he had recommended a book to me many years ago, and it was about a a tribe in the Amazon called the Piraha, and the name of the book is Don't Sleep There Are Snakes, which apparently is what the Piraha say to each other instead of, good night, sleep tight, sweet dreams, they say, don't sleep there are snakes. And it was this fascinating book. So as I was talking to my friend about my experience reading that book, he sent me a a short clip of a documentary, and it was, I think, some scientists, some white-appearing Brazilian, you know, European-Brazilian, maybe scientists or anthropologists in the middle of the Amazon, and I think they were looking for an uncontacted tribe, and so it shows them the first part of the clip, it looks like they're lost, they look disheveled, hot, sweaty, confused. They're lost. They're they're hearing these noises in the forest. And then suddenly out of the forest comes walking very quietly these indigenous men. And it's this uncontacted tribe. They had never seen Europeans, never seen European Brazilians before. And so there's this moment where the where the European Brazilians didn't really know how to react. They're just kind of standing there. And the indigenous men are speaking in their own language, realize they're not being understood. And then there's this beautiful, tender moment. I think that was a hunting party. I think they had weapons. They just reach out and take the hands of the scientists and just lead them through the forest. And they lead them to a clearing, sit them down, offer them food and drink. So mind you, they've never, ever seen anyone who looks like this, anyone who's dressed like this. But they experience that common humanity. They realize these are people, obviously, hungry, tired, lost. They can read all of that in their faces and they respond. It's just a beautiful example of, you know, what we might even think of as the better angels of our nature. 
the recognition of that common humanity. There's a, a researcher called Kristen Renwick Monroe, and she's written a book called The Heart of Altruism. And in this book, she studied people in Europe who at great personal risk took in Jews during the during the time of the Holocaust in World War II. So non-Jewish Europeans who, you know, at great risk of even death to themselves and their families hid, you know, we're all kind of, I think most of us familiar with the story of Anne Frank, but there were many, 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 many examples of exactly the same situation. And so these people taking in the Jews and hiding them and feeding them, sometimes for years. And when she was asking them in her research, she was asking these people, you know, why did you, why did you do it? And they all said the same thing. They just said, well, how could they, how could we not? They're human beings just like us. There was just this feeling of like, how, you know, how could I not take care of another human being and that recognition of that common humanity. And many of the people actually even used that phrase, the common humanity. And that's all they saw. They didn't even consider the risk in the same way that if someone of their own family was in danger, they wouldn't hesitate. And so that's very moving. So this is also part of our human nature as well. And I think, again, we need to be brave. We need to realize we can cultivate this. It's there. That potential is there. We can cultivate it. We cultivate it through our contemplative practice. And the way that we really do that is we tune in to that commonality that we have with others. His Holiness the Dalai Lama, every time he, he speaks, he says, we're all the same. We all want happiness and we all want freedom from suffering. And so he simplifies that idea of common humanity in the wish for happiness, the wish for freedom from suffering. We also can see the humanity in others by attuning to their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, their fears, their disappointments. So below the level of those superficial dis differences that we sometimes can easily focus on, dress, culture, language, religion, and so forth, at the core, all human beings share the same fears, hopes, dreams, the same feelings and needs. And so this is a way in our contemplative practice we can do it when we feel a disconnection from another, when we feel that we're doing that process of othering someone and not seeing them in their full humanity. And so I'd like to introduce a practice for you, a contemplative practice taken from the Buddhist tradition, and this is one that we use in the compassion cultivation training. So first of all, settle into a comfortable posture, relaxed yet alert. And so with your back straight, as straight as possible, as if there were a cord pulling up from the crown of your head and your body relaxed around it, your shoulders even. Your eyes can be either closed or with a downcast gaze. 
Your mouth closed, breathing through your nose if you can. Your tongue on the roof of your mouth right behind your teeth. That keeps you from having to swallow constantly. If you're sitting up in a chair, your legs braced in a stable posture. If you're sitting down on a cushion, crossed comfortably. Your hands either resting on your lap or your knees. And so just taking a moment to settle into that comfortable posture and check to see if there's any tension or tightness in your body and just deliberately relaxing. And then we'll turn our attention to the breath for just a few moments to settle our mind, get ourselves here in this room, in our bodies, in the present moment. Just a few moments of focusing on the breath, on the sensations in the body, wherever they feel most apparent. The abdomen, or perhaps the chest, the lungs expanding and contracting, perhaps the nostrils. Well, now the first step of the meditation, picture someone that you hold dear, someone you find it easy to care for and love, someone you naturally feel compassion, loving kindness, care for. This person could be a family member or a close friend. It's important not to think about the person in the abstract, but vividly feel their presence in front of you. If it's possible, you might even get a visual image of that person seated in front of you. And is that visual image or the felt sense of that person's presence comes to mind? Just noticing any pleasant feelings that might arise as you picture this dear one. Maybe a feeling of warmth in your chest or just some feeling of relaxation or opening. Just notice as this visualization of this person becomes clear. How does it make you feel? And now bring to mind another person. And this time, choose someone that you recognize, but that you haven't really had any significant contact with, someone for whom you have no special sense of either closeness or distance. So thinking of a real person that you see quite often, perhaps someone at work that you don't know well, or maybe the barista at your local cafe, or maybe somebody who works in the grocery store. So again, a specific person and getting a felt sense of their presence or picturing that person seated in front of you. And as that person comes to mind, notice the feelings that arise in you as you picture this person or get a felt sense of their presence. 
Maybe our feelings are indifferent. We don't maybe care so much what happens to this person. But now try to imagine this person's life, this person's hopes and fears and dreams, which are every bit as nuanced, as multi-layered, as rich and diverse as your own. And really recognizing that even this stranger, even this person for whom you may not feel close feelings, there's a profound similarity between yourself and this person at a fundamental human level. And take a moment to really tune into this feeling, cultivating this thought. Just like me, this person also wishes to achieve happiness and to avoid even the slightest of suffering. Just like me, this person wishes happiness, wishes to be free from suffering. There's no difference at all. And now bring to mind a person that you might have some difficulty with, someone you find annoying or irritating or irresponsible. And don't pick the most difficult person in your life. On a scale of 1 to 10, maybe pick somebody that's a 3 or 4, just someone you find mildly to moderately difficult or irritating. And again, either visualizing this person seated in front of you, getting a felt sense of their presence, and as you do, just getting in touch with whatever feelings arise as you think of this person acknowledging the uncomfortable feelings you might experience as you bring this person to mind. And if uncomfortable memories, perhaps, feelings arise, notice how you respond to those uncomfortable feelings. And then putting yourself in this person's shoes for a moment, recognizing that this person is an object of deep concern to someone. This person is a parent or a spouse or a child or a friend to someone. And acknowledging that this person too shares that same fundamental aspiration for happiness that you have. really trying to connect with that shared humanity that you have with this person who wishes for happiness, wishes to be free from suffering, just like you.
And then finally, picture all three people together in front of you. And remember that despite your feelings about these people, they all equally share the basic yearning to be happy, to be free from suffering. On this level, there's no difference at all between these three people. In this fundamental respect, they're all exactly the same. So see if by mentally relating to each of these three people from that perspective, from that basis of common humanity that we all share, see how your feelings might shift. In this shared aspiration for happiness and wish to overcome suffering are a common bond that unites us with all other beings. So let your mind abide in this awareness for a while. And with this deep recognition that aspiration for happiness and the wish to overcome suffering are common to all, silently repeat this phrase, just like me, all others aspire towards happiness and wish to overcome suffering. May they have the happiness they seek. And now, as we bring this session to a close, let your heart be touched by this feeling of warmth, tenderness, and caring for others. And then just rest your mind simply on the natural rhythm of the breath. Thanks for listening. Learn more about this episode and browse our episode library by visiting unlockingtruehappiness.org.